Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Oh, baby! <laughs> what is up? Buffalo Fanatics. Z-Bot here with you. Live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel Monday night. And it can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break coming at you on the eve of the beginning of the 2023 league year. And it is getting off to an incredibly hot start. Tons of moves being made today all over the league, including our Buffalo Bills. We see the departure of one of our younger core pieces we thought this would be in the mix it was a matter of when today it happened Tremaine Edmonds no longer a Buffalo Bill it is sad to see it officially happen I think we all knew to some degree that that was going to be in the cards the Bills are cap strapped of course Tremaine Edmonds was going to command a lot of money at the linebacker position and boy did he ever We'll get into the specifics as Tremaine Edmonds, no longer a Buffalo Bill. He will be a Chicago Bear for the foreseeable future, leaving the Bills with a question mark now at the second linebacker position alongside Matt Milano, who was in the headlines this week as well. He will remain a Buffalo Bill for the foreseeable future. So with some bad news comes some good news, which is always good to hear, but That's free agency frenzy for you. We have been in the thick of things. Tons of moves today from division rivals, potential moves from division rivals, a big quarterback move in Jimmy Garoppolo, who now makes his way to the AFC East. A ton to talk about tonight, and I'm looking forward to diving into it with you here on the Smoke Break. Happy St. Patrick's Day week, folks. If you're Irish like myself, getting ready for the weekend fill of Jameson, Guinness, and corn beef i can't wait it's gonna be awesome st patrick's day is always a great time got a parade that i'm hitting up this week with the fam which is always exciting stuff i just love corned beef i know it's terrible for you it's like legitimate fat it's all it is but that's probably why it tastes so good you never have it any other time of the year but st patrick's day and how we're here already i have no idea but st patrick's day that this is this week and we are nearing close to the one month mark until the NFL draft. But before we get into draft talk, we have to talk about all the craziness that has been happening within the NFL free agency period. And what I thought I'd be opening up the show with today is our division rival, the New York Jets, signing future Hall of Famer, one of the greatest to ever sling the pigskin, Aaron Rodgers. So uh, I'm scrolling Twitter earlier, trying to keep up with all the news. It seemed like every 30 seconds there was some sort of signing, uh, a release, Uh, a, a move made by one team or the other, but everybody of course had their eyes locked in on what the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, and possibly the jets were going to do. 
in regard to this whole situation that has been just a complete dumpster fire for, let's face it, the last several years. Aaron Rodgers and his whole situation, it has been an insufferable watch as a fan. I can't imagine what it's been like to be a Packers fan, and now I can't really imagine what it's like to be a Jets fan. It just seems like it's hanging in the balance. And for the Jets, of course, of out of all franchises, nobody needs a signing like this more. They feel as though they are right on the cusp of having the team of the future, but they are a quarterback away. We saw last year just how much the quarterback position held them back. And I think we forget just how good the New York Jets could be with a adequate at best quarterback. They did not have that last year. And obviously Aaron Rodgers would be way more than an adequate quarterback, whatever you believe uh, as far as what you think he is currently at performance-wise in his career. He's better than Zach Wilson. He's better than Mike White, who as of today, Mike White stays in the AFC East. He's no longer a New York Jet, but he's now a Miami Dolphin. What are the odds we go against Mike White again this year, but in the teal and orange? My guess is it's quite high, knowing the Miami Dolphins. Anyhow, around 2.55 this afternoon, I get a tweet that pops up saying, breaking Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers is being traded to the Jets Per Trey Wingo, quote, it's done. Now, this came from uh, Dov Kleinman, is it? Now, here's the problem with Twitter. Uh, you know, anymore, you just don't know. All these guys are trying to beat each other to the punch to get the news out there first. And with a, with a story like this, it does not get bigger than the future of Aaron Rodgers, whether he decides to stay in Green Bay or leave and go to the New York Jets. Everybody wants to be in on this. Now, when I'm hearing the name Trey Wingo, I immediately think, okay, that's a reputable name. I've known Trey Wingo my whole life when it comes to watching sports. A big name in the field. Why would I dispute the fact that that's accurate? Then I turn on NFL Network, and the first thing I hear when the show comes back from break, I think it was NFL Inside Access or whatever, the first thing I hear back from break is, quote, Those joining us for Aaron Rodgers news, there is no news. So as of this moment right now, 8.08 p.m. Eastern on Monday, March 13th, Aaron Rodgers is still a Green Bay Packer, but it just seems like that loading bar is at 99% waiting to get to 100 before he is a New York Jet. And that is going to make things very interesting in the AFC East, which as we are starting to watch things unfold, it's already become increasingly interesting. It got a bit more interesting last year than it had been in the past. Things would get incredibly interesting if Aaron Rodgers makes his way into the AFC East. But let's talk about our Buffalo Bills. We knew going into this free agency period, the Bills were not going to be able to make the splash moves that they did last year. They just don't have the cap space for it. Brandon Bean told us himself, don't expect to see a move like we did with Von Miller last year. It's just not in the cards. With that, however, we knew the biggest moves would probably be Players currently on the roster departing. Players that we have come to know as cornerstones of this team. And in this particular instance, a player in Tremaine Edmonds, who has been around for the entirety, pretty much. I mean, yeah, let's face it, the entirety of the Bills' recent success over the last half decade or so. But the way that the market is continuing to increase in nearly all positions, and now as you see in in primary defensive positions, we all st- we saw this start with the quarterback market, right? Of course, that's where it's going to start. Every team is built around the quarterback. We've seen those numbers 
Boom. There's a reason Daniel Jones is getting paid $40 million a year to be the quarterback of the New York Giants. The market is absolutely out of control. There is no way to justify that amount of money for Daniel Jones. That's why today when you see a move like the Raiders made for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's getting, he's playing for the Raiders for nearly half that. But when you draft a guy and you have to determine whether or not you want to move on and start over, sign a veteran free agent or sign the guy, it's a very hard decision to make. But it's not just the quarterback position. We are seeing this in all major positions, really outside of running back, which the league has now almost unanimously agreed upon as a position that is disposable. We are not going to pay you an additional contract because of the fact that we can just go and continuously cycle through that position. We have seen too many data points to prove that the more we pay a running back to stay with us, the more likely that contract is simply not going to pan out. But We've seen the success that a lot of these individual players have had on the defensive side of the ball and the money they command. And Tremaine Edmonds, who, listen, he was a great piece for this Bills team. I don't think he ever became perhaps worthy of the 16th overall pick in 2018. That is an incredibly high position to be taken in the draft. But for what the Bills drafted him for, it wasn't like he was a bust. Tremaine Edmonds was an incredibly strong piece for this Bills defense, especially last year a year that we knew was going to be Tremaine Edmonds' biggest year because it was a contract year. We knew that with Matt Milano by his side and a revamped defensive line, which many had thought was the reason Tremaine Edmonds was not as stellar as perhaps he could have been, there was no excuses last year. And Tremaine Edmonds did live up to some degree to the expectations we had for him last year. But we know that if you do live up to those expectations, other teams are going to want to cash in on it just as much as the Bills would. It doesn't even just happen with players. It happens with coaches. That's exactly what happened with Brian Dable. Brian Dable, Josh Allen, although the potential's there. If Brian Dable can make Josh Allen work, he can make Daniel Jones work. Boom, we're taking him. We see it with, we see it with every facet of this league. If you wind up becoming the player that the potential bar is set for you, you are going to demand a top dollar value. Now, of course, when you have teams bidding on you that have an endless amount of cap space that are in the current midst of a rebuild and are trying to get young pieces into their franchise in order to continuously build to get towards the top of the league, it's really tough to compete with that when you're the Buffalo Bills and you've already gone through the rebuild process and now you have your guys that need to be paid. And as we talked about this throughout the offseason here, we had realized that Tremaine Edmonds seemingly was going to be one of those cap casualties. We saw where the market was heading. We saw the money that the bills were going to have to spend elsewhere. And we saw that either one, you know, Poyer, Edmonds, Ed Oliver, the other two uh, aforementioned guys have yet to be dealt with uh, as far as a contract is concerned for the bills. But we knew one of those three at least was more than likely not going to be a Buffalo bill this season. Tremaine Edmonds, he is the first domino to fall. Potentially he's the only of the three or potentially he is the first of what else could happen. We have no idea. But I'm sure the biggest question right now amongst everybody within Bill's Mafia is, was this a good decision? How do I feel about this? Tremaine Edmonds drafted by Bean, drafted to be one of the centerpieces of this defense. He was seemingly going up the ranks as far as talent is concerned. 
a guy that was not nearly bad enough to just look at and say, hey, this is an easy move. This is, this is an easy walk away. Hey, Tremaine, we appreciate your time here, but it's time to move on. Everybody always talks about the fact that he's still only, what, 24, 25 years old. It's probably inevitable his best football is ahead of him. But the biggest question, obviously, is, was this a good move? Should the Bills have found a way to make it work? The only answer, or the only uh, info you need to look at to come up with an adequate answer is the amount of money the Chicago Bears just paid to Tremaine Edmonds. Not only was it an absolute bag, but it was an historic bag. Tremaine Edmonds just became the highest paid interior linebacker in the history of the National Football League. Would we have liked to have keep? Would, would we have liked to have kept Tremaine Edmonds? Absolutely. Who wouldn't want to keep one of your better defensive players, especially as you look at the departure of Leslie Frazier, as you look at the age of Micah Hyde, you look at the uh, questionable, questionable contract situation surrounding Ed Oliver, Jordan Poyer. This defense is not going to be the same this year, right? You'd like to keep all these guys intact, but we've had this conversation on here numerous times with success comes successful problems, right? The higher you get up that ladder of success, the more you're going to have to deal with issues like this. That's why it's incredibly mind-blowing the success that the Kansas City Chiefs were able to have just a season ago with having to lose Tyreek Hill, with having to rebuild that entire offensive line, essentially having to bring in an entirely new wide receiver core, a new running back. That's why it was so tremendously impressive. That's why the New England Patriots run throughout Tom Brady's reign was incredibly impressive. The amount of Super Bowls they won with almost unrecognizably different teams. That is why this is so hard. And now you're going to see the Josh Allen money kick in. You're going to see money kick in elsewhere. And this is what happens. Now, when you're, when you're asking me personally, Bob, how do you feel about it? Back to what I was just saying. I would absolutely love to have Tremaine Edmonds on this team. But for that amount of money, you can absolutely forget it. There is no way in hell in the current position the Bills are in that you could justify, on average, $18 million a year to Tremaine Edmonds. Even if you're the biggest Tremaine Edmonds fan on the planet, right? There's still half the fan base that is the complete opposite. And you have to ask yourself this. Okay, I might love Tremaine Edmonds and I thought he was a great piece for this Bills defense, which I I don't know if I I don't know if I lo- I don't know if I was in love with him. In love would be a guy like Josh Allen. That's easy. That's that's just an easy answer. There's no anybody who's got a bad thing to say about Josh Allen or wouldn't want Josh Allen on their team, right? You just know straight off the bat, dummy. Hey pal, you just blow in from stupid town, right? But with Tremaine Edmonds, there was arguments to be made as to whether or not he was towards the top of the league or the middle of the pack of the league. I don't think there was an argument to say he was towards the bottom of the league. But with this amount of money, you're talking about top-tier bag. You're talking about paying unbeforeseen money for this position. The Chicago Bears have that money. The Buffalo Bills don't. As it stands right now, according to Track. The Chicago Bears have the largest cap space in the league. They are over $71 million under the cap. And that is why they go out today, frankly, all week, and make numerous moves. 
Not only did they sign Jermaine Edmonds today, they also signed another linebacker from the Eagles, TJ Edwards, and they got an offensive guard in Nate Davis. On top of that, this past week, they also traded the number one overall pick to the Carolina Panthers, a massive move. There was plenty of discussion as to whether or not the Bears were going to keep the first overall pick, draft a quarterback, and move on from Justin Fields, which I personally thought was the dumbest scenario you could have ever even contemplated, much less go through with. They made an incredible move, in my opinion, shifting that number one overall pick that they do not need in this draft because that, of course, is going to go to a quarterback. They got DJ Moore out of it, a first-round pick out of it, and now they have this tremendous cap space and draft capital to really get the gears moving towards getting the Chicago Bears back to a relevant franchise. This was a move that only a team like the Chicago Bears could make. A team in the running like the Bills are not going to be able, any team rather, we're not going to be able to match this. I would have loved to have been in the the office with being in the higher ups when the dollar amount got to a certain point where they just had to say, there's just no possible way. And I guarantee you, it wasn't even close to what it wound up being from the Chicago bears. A four year deal worth $72 million, 50 in which is guaranteed. Had a lot of love for Trey Tremaine Edmonds. I think as bills fans or as fans of any team, you have, more of an affinity towards players that are drafted by your organization that are successful. And then when you reach the point of the contract negotiation, that's when it kicks in that you want them more than perhaps somebody else. That's just the way it goes. When you draft a guy, you just seem to have more love towards the player. It'd be way easier to let go of somebody who wasn't a bill forever or wasn't drafted by the organization, but that's the way these things go. And this, of course, is a first-world problem of a top-tier organization. The Chicago Bears have have been one of the worst-ran organizations in all of sports, not just the NFL. They are a horrendously-ran organization. They have never had a franchise quarterback in my lifetime, not even remotely close. They've never once had a wide receiver one, ever. I can't even think of the best wide receiver the Chicago Bears have had in my lifetime. They have been completely predicated on defense, which has gone towards the back burner over the last handful of years. There's a reason why the Chicago Bears in one of the biggest cities in the entire country have been more than irrelevant for a very long time. And a move like this, amongst the other moves they made this week, you got to just tip your cap to both Tremaine Edmonds and the Chicago Bears. I think so far, the Chicago Bears are having an extraordinary offseason. This past week, this has to be one of the best weeks you have had. If you're a Chicago Bears fan, this has got to be one of the best weeks you have had as a fan in the last decade. It seems like management is finally making the right moves to at least say, hey, we did everything we could. You, you bring in Brandon Marshall, by the way, good, good example, right? Brandon Marshall is probably the only elite wide receiver that I can think of from the Chicago Bears maybe in my lifetime, right? And you got to think about it like this. DJ Moore, who they bring in this past week with the trade uh, for the number one overall pick with the Carolina Panthers, he might already be in the running for one of the best Bear wide receivers in the last decade or so. So they're already making the right moves. I like Justin Fields a lot. Of course, his pass game needs to be ironed out, but he's incredibly elite. Uh, with running the ball, I think he t- he surpassed Lamar Jackson last year as, as maybe the best running quarterback in the league, certainly the best running quarterback in the NFC. 
and they're making moves to be able to become relevant again, especially in a conference in the NFC where it's wide open. It's absolutely wide open. But a deal like this just goes to show you the discrepancy in the ability to pay players when you are a bottom feeder in this league and when you are a team like the Bills who are still in their Super Bowl window. And this is the unfortunate reality of being on the other side of the spectrum. Of course, that's where you want to be. The Bears would sign up to be a a consistent playoff and Super Bowl contender right now if they had the opportunity. And this is why they're making moves like this in order to be able to get there and have that potential opportunity. As I sit here, though, I had come to terms, I would say, probably when the season ended that Tremaine Edmonds was not going to be a Buffalo Bill. It just seemed like the market was heading to a place where the Bills were not going to be able to justify paying the amount of money that was going to be offered to Tremaine Edmonds. And that is exactly what happened. I mean, think about it. $72 million, $50 million guaranteed, the largest contract ever paid out in the history of the NFL to his position. As I keep saying, no matter how much you loved Tremaine Edmonds, no matter how much you thought he was a positive impact to this team, that amount of money could not be justified in the current position the Bills are in. It simply could not. So I understand the sadness today of losing a guy like Tremaine Edmonds, a guy you drafted, a guy you wanted to build around, which they did for the last handful of seasons. But the time had come, and that money could not be justified. Simply could not. And I think we got our first hint at the fact that this was probably going to be reality a couple of days ago when the Buffalo Bills made a move at the other linebacking position. And let's be, let's be frank here, the better linebacking position. If it came, to, if it came down to keeping... One of the two guys, Tremaine Edmonds or Matt Milano. Please find me the person arguing arguing Tremaine Edmonds over Matt Milano. The only argument I feel like you could possibly stand on is the age thing. Age is doing me nothing in the current window the Bills are in right now. That's doing me nothing. Matt Milano was already an all-pro defender. Tremaine Edmonds is not. And I think you saw, and we have seen on numerous occasions, When Matt Milano is not in the game, the Buffalo Bills are not even close to the same team. That defensive unit with Matt Milano not in the game, it's not close. The same can be said for Jordan Poyer. There are a handful of guys, when they're not out there, it's almost like you're watching a completely different team. And Matt Milano is 100% one of those guys. I I have been pounding this table for a very long time. He is one of the most underrated players in the entire league and finally he got recognized as an all pro which he deserves to be because he is that good an incredibly under the radar player and I think that's why when you hear the name Tremaine Edmonds or you hear the name Matt Milano I think most people's brain navigate to Tremaine Edmonds because it's more of a household name it's more of a buzzworthy name amongst the league But the Matt Milano re-signing and the restructuring and then having to move on from Tremaine Edmonds, if that was going to be the scenario that had to happen in order to keep Matt Milano, then that's the scenario that I'm 100% signing up for every time. Matt Milano has been restructured and re-signed, or not re-signed, but uh, it's been extended. His contract has been extended through at least the 2026 season. So prior to the other day when this uh, renegotiation occurred, his contract was set to expire next year. 
So I think in in a day on a day today where you're upset at the fact that the Bills lose one of their young core pieces of the linebacking locker room, you have to take the silver lining with it. And the silver lining is you are now guaranteed to have all pro Matt Milano, perhaps the best player on this defense for two additional years past what we would have thought, you know, at this current juncture, it would have been. We would have had to have dealt with this same situation going into next year, except for Matt Milano, and it's just one you don't want to deal with. So I think that that was our first indication prior to, of course, today happening the way it did with Tremaine Edmonds. Our first indication was Brandon Bean sitting there saying, all right, well, we're, 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 there's no way in hell over the next two years we're losing both of these guys. We need to make sure that Matt Milano is our guy for the foreseeable future if we have to come to the come to terms with the fact that we have got to move on from Tremaine Edmonds. It was also a positive move in regard to the salary cap in the restructuring of Matt Milano's contract. So uh, that will be a $6 million million salary cap saving for the Bills this upcoming season. And right now, I mean, anything helps with the Bills. The Bills are currently, I think they're 30th out of 32 teams as far as... uh, Overall cap space is concerned. As of right now, according to Spot Track, they are just over $4 million over the salary cap. They've done a good job so far of trying to work their way around that. And I think this Matt Milano situation is a perfect result for us fans because you save cap dollars and you also extend Matt Milano for two additional years. And that's a guy that this team absolutely has to have. Not only is he one of the best linebackers in the league, but he is a full-blown leader on this team. And when you're going into a season, and I don't care how you felt about him, when you're going into a season where you're losing your uh, defensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator who had this Buffalo Bills defense towards the top of the league nearly every season he was around, you do not want to continuously continuously lose veteran guys when you know that, as we saw, Tremaine Edmonds out the door, Jordan Poyer still up in the air. We've been over this time and time again. Micah Hyde coming off a year end, uh, season-ending injury. Tredavious White, the same thing. Will he ever be back to the same? You, you cannot continuously compound the losses of additional guys, especially ones that this team is built around on the defensive side of things. And when this D is playing their best ball, it, it is one of, if not the best defenses in the league. I mean, we, we've seen this time and time again. It's just unfortunate that the last taste we have of this Bills D over the last couple of seasons is one of the worst blunders of all time in franchise history because it makes you easily forget how good they are when they're at their best. But this is going to be this is going to be a, a very different looking Bills defense this year. It would have been completely different without Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, think about it. We haven't had a Bills D without Tremaine Edmonds in nearly the last five years. And now you also add the departure of Leslie Frazier, same situation. We don't know what's going on with Jordan Poyer. It's going to look completely different. This is just, this is just day one here. We have no idea the additional, uh, the, the additional losses or, or additions that's going to happen with this Bills D. Now, I want to uh, – I, I think this is worthy I think this is worthy of speaking on because I keep bringing up Jordan Poyer. Um. Rachel Bush on Twitter, Jordan Poyer's uh, wife. She, this I, this I love this about her. There's no bigger insider when it comes to Jordan Poyer than his wife. There's no bigger insider for a player than their family. And if they're willing to share stuff with you, well, then who am I going to believe? 
the, the man's wife, the man's family, or, you know, somebody like, you know, I hate that. I don't want to rip on him, but somebody like today, like Trey Wingo, who's just tweeting out things that aren't real. I'm going to take the word of the family every time. So it's been all over the place with Jordan Poyer. I remember a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was a month ago at this point, that there was talks that the, the, the Jordan Poyer re-signing in Buffalo was, was on its way. It seemed like it was inevitable, right? Then that, all, then that went away. That went away. And then it went to the complete opposite end of the spectrum just a couple of weeks ago where Jordan Poyer went on his podcast talking about how he'd like to go and play in a state where they don't take half of his money, uh, you know, where it's warm. So then you're kind of all over the place. And I think, at least for me, you start to lean more towards the mindset of, all right, let's start to prepare for Jordan Poyer to no longer be a bill. But Rachel Bush today, and I'm not saying this, this doesn't, this doesn't solidify anything other than what she says. And this is what she says. Jordan Poyer's uh, wife, Rachel Bush, today, or was it, uh, let me see, I want to double check. I think it was, yes, was it yesterday? Okay, it was yesterday. So yesterday, Jordan uh, Poyer's wife, Rachel Bush, she takes to Twitter. She says, quote, side note, not time for my farewell, parentheses, or his just yet. That's why there hasn't been one. Now, look, at just like anything else, you know, we've been doing this with Stefan Diggs for the last two months. I have told you this, so I don't want to be a hypocrite. Don't read into social media because oftentimes whatever you're trying to read into isn't the intention or the meaning of wh- whoever put it out. I'm just taking that for what it is, and that's it's just what she says here. What she says here in my in the way I'm interpreting this, it's not time for my farewell or his just yet. That's why there hasn't been one. That tells me there is not a, a deal uh, close to being hammered in on either side yet. So potentially, potentially, there's more of a possibility Jordan Poyer stays in Buffalo than maybe we thought two weeks ago, perhaps. Perhaps. Now, like Sam's saying here, LMAO last week, he said he didn't read into social media. I try not to. I really do, especially with the dig stuff. Because that to me is just I, that 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 can be interpreted a thousand different ways. It really should. It really could. With this, I mean, you could interpret this different ways, but all but what what she's saying here essentially is it's not time for a farewell yet because we're not leaving just yet, right? We're not leaving. So there's that. But you know, all I know is that is potentially the next move out of Buffalo. I would say, right, the Jordan Poyer situation. Either he's re-signed or he moves on. That that seems like it's going to have to happen quite soon here. Um, I'll tell you what, though. You know, Tremaine Edmonds, and the thing with Tremaine Edmonds is that we all thought it was potential, or there was potential. I don't think anybody thought it was inevitable. I think it was leaning more towards happening than not happening. But now that Tremaine Edmonds is gone, it would make the lo- it would make a loss of Jordan Poirier, which would already be big to begin with. It, it would, I think, it would make it that much bigger. Because I think within within a three, four-week time span, if you lose your defensive coordinator, Tremaine Edmonds, and Jordan Poirier, that's a rough month. That's a rough month, month for the Buffalo Bills and their defense. Um, I think if you had, you know, if you had to make me bet on it, I'm still betting on Poirier not returning just because of the way things have gone. I still, though, I still have, uh, am of the belief that it is up in the air. It seems with all the moves that have been made, if it was a guarantee that he'd be somewhere else, you'd probably think it would happen. It would have happened already. Now, 
Um, it's not just departures that we have to talk about when it comes with the Bills. Because I think, you know, the one, if you're talking about Buffalo going into this draft, going into this free agency, what are the outside of running back is we're going to, I mean, you you could have me sit down here, I feel like in the year 2055, and we're going to have the same, we're going to have the same conversation. Right. Well, the Bills need to go running back in round one. I mean, the Bills need to do this. The Bills need to do that. When it comes to running back. I mean, that just seems like it's going to be the endless, the endless offseason conversation with us, right? So let's just put that to the side for a second. Two of the biggest things that we know the Bills absolutely have to acquire are additional wide receivers, especially one that you could argue is a wide receiver to two Stefan Diggs. That's inevitable. Need that. And then to me, above all, and I know it's not sexy, but I've told you this on here before when it comes to the draft, I think the biggest need is offensive line. And I think Brandon Bean has hinted at that. Brandon Bean said in his presser at the NFL Combine that before that the before they can think about taking weapons, they have got to make sure the trenches are secure. And I believe him on that. Because it's not like the trenches right now on the Bills' offensive side of things is, is overly secure. We know that. And no matter who you have throwing the who you have uh you know at your disposal to throw the ball to, it's a lot easier when you actually have time to throw that ball. So I was under the impression, perhaps I still am, I don't know. It might change a little bit today based on this. I was under the impression that if I had to put my money on it, the Bills would go offensive line in round one. But maybe the move they make today puts that a little bit, you know, maybe that backs those odds up a bit. Obviously, we knew the Bills had to make a move at offensive line. They do just that today. The Bills go out and they get former Dallas Cowboy guard Connor McGovern on a three-year deal worth $23 million. So, you know, just when you thought the Bills were, you know, trying to free up. This is, this is, what, this is the, the craziness, I think, of, this, of the free agency period is you go from immediately freeing up money elsewhere or in one place and then immediately allocating it somewhere else. And that's just the, that's the, that's the chess. That's the interior chess game of the NFL. And I think right now, you know, when you have a guy like Matt Milano and then you look at the offensive line and the way it has been performing with Josh Allen at quarterback in this current window, I I think everybody would think that you have to build more on the offensive line as opposed to allocating even more money at the linebacker position. So Matt McGovern, or excuse me, Connor McGovern, he comes in now. He is the newest addition to the Buffalo Bills on a three-year deal, $23 million. Uh, let's take a, uh, take a further look here. McGovern was a Cowboy uh, third over or third-round pick for the Cowboys in 2019, according to Pro Football Talk. He did miss his rookie season due to an injury and started 14 games over the next two seasons. But last year, he started 15 games setting him up to cash in during free agency, which is exactly what he just did. Now, you know, truth be told, I don't know 100%. You know, I don't know a, a ton about Connor McGovern, his talent, or exactly how much he'll elevate this Bills offensive line. But I'm, I am glad to see that, you know, I always say this too. I always, I always delegate my thoughts on positional moves to the guys who know it best. And Brandon Bean is one of the best in the business. And I think he clearly he clearly just showed you he meant what he said when he said we cannot attack positional groups in the draft like wide receiver, running back, et cetera, and, and until we solidify the trenches. And what's one of the first moves they make here in the offseason? It's adding an offensive guard to this 
average to below average Bills offensive line that desperately needed to be elevated. Gets him on a three-year deal, so we have multiple years now with McGovern. And I think it just shows you where these Bills currently are. Where they currently are is they're going to have to find ways to make moves that aren't overly sexy because we we've we've been we have been assured that essentially by Brandon Bean that that is not going to be the case. They're going to have to find moves like these where hopefully they pan out and the Bills do see a significant increase in production based on bringing in guys that aren't going to be, you know, mind-blowing additions. So for me, like I said, you know, and I'm sure this goes for the majority of us. You hear a lot of these uh, offensive linemen's names and you don't you don't think like, "Oh god, yeah, I know that guy." Yada yada. I know I know everything about him. But what you do realize is, okay, you know the Bills had to address that positional group, right? Absolutely had to. You look at most mock drafts, a lot of them either have, uh, you know, a lot of them have a, a very specific, um, they've narrowed it down to very specific picks. Seen a few of them go safety, which I think I, I, that wouldn't be my go. That would not be my go right now. You've seen a few of them with, uh, you know, t- taking B. John Robinson out of Texas at the running back position. I talked uh, talked about that with Rev last week. Thought he made some great points, but still I think it's more of a luxury pick than anything else. Of course, wide receiver, but the way things are, I don't know if wide receiver in the first round is what we're going to see. I just think that when you go first round with the wide receiver position, the more you go towards the top, the better they're going to be, of course. But then when you go later on, you're better off just waiting. Is it worth taking a, a wide receiver late in the first round when you can get someone potentially of adequate or a, of a, a similar uh, you know, success or similar talent later on in the draft? Um, now, you know, Real King coming in here is talking about B. John Robinson, and this is the point that Rev made last week that I really liked because I had, I had come on and said, I just, I don't, I don't understand it when you take James Cook last year uh, in the second round. He does not touch the field nearly as much as I thought he would. And then it wasn't really until the latter half of the season that he was getting more and more involved. Uh, you, you took Zach Moss in the draft as well. That didn't pan out. Devin Singletary is going to be moving on more than likely. Right. Uh, you know, there was there, and and then of course just the the overall mindset of taking the running back in the first round and how it has become taboo to a degree. But the point he was making is when you get to that when you get to that uh, time in the first round towards the end of it, it, it really is just all about best guy available. And if the Bills think Bijan Robinson is that guy, if they think he is the best player available, if they think he is the best overall pick in terms of elevating this team immediately and addressing a situation that they need to address, which is offensive weaponry, taking a lot of the heat or some of the heat, really. I mean, honestly, just some of it would do off of Josh Allen, making it so it's no longer, you know, 99% Josh Allen, 1% everybody else, every single game. Then you do it, right? Then you do it. But then it comes down to the, the, uh, the trenches, the offensive line, situation and and that's another area where I have seen mock drafts go that way in round one and it's one that I completely understand because that just seems to be one of if not the biggest area of addressment for this team so to see Connor McGovern be one of the first moves that Brandon Bean and company make for the Bills in this offseason just assures me that that 
Yeah, Bean's doing exactly what he what he said he was going to do. Try to, you know, sure up this offensive line and continue to add to it and make it above average, hopefully at best, right? I mean, that's we need at least an above average offensive line now. We absolutely need an above average offensive line. There's no longer the ability in Josh Allen's prime to sit on your laurels with a average to below average offensive line. It's just, it's way, it's waste. It's just wasting the window. It's all it is. So hopefully that move is one that we can see be a, a positive direction towards revamping this offensive line. Couple other moves made in house. The bills today re-signed Cam Lewis at the quarterback position. They re-signed him to a one year deal. He was going to be a free agent. If the bills did not agree to terms with him, they did so Today, he did play in 13 games last year, and he also played on special teams. Cam, you know, the cornerback position is one of those ones right now that's that's up in the air. It's it's a head scratcher for the Bills right now. We don't know exactly what's going on at the cornerback two position. It seems like week to week, it's just a it's a revolving door. And then obviously, you think about uh, Tre'Davious White, and I just don't know. I worry about Tre'Davious White. I do. Uh, I don't know. I really don't know how else to say it. You just hope he gets back to where he was. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but you do hope he gets back to being a threat that you have to game plan around. And I'll give him a pass for last year. I mean, he comes back. It did. It seemed like he was hesitant to come back. It never seemed like it was back to old Trey White, but that was immediately, he came back pretty much as soon as he could or around the time in which it was, you know, the earliest window to come back. So we'll see a whole off season now to get back to full strength. We'll see what happens, but Cam Lewis at that position, another guy that will be sticking around uh, for at least the next year. Let's get to some super chats real quick. Scrolling up here. Let's get to the first one coming in from my man, Cody and Cody says, if no Derek Henry, give me Montgomery or Jamal Williams for sure. Bunch of O linemen in the draft and please at least one more wide receiver. So yeah, let's touch on the running back position real quick. We were just kind of, brainstorming about B. John Robinson did that last week with Rev as well. And now we're seeing, uh, we're seeing some running backs hit the market. Derek, uh, Derek Henry being one of them. Now, David Montgomery out of uh, Chicago, he is going to be uh, a potential suitor as well. And I don't know if this will happen, but perhaps one of the more shocking news headlines today that Austin Eckler of the LA Chargers requests permission to seek a trade. And I think that's shocking because Austin Eckler has been an absolute stud for the LA Chargers. I, I, I don't think people quite understand the TD machine that he is. I think since 2019, he's led the league in, uh, in rushing touchdowns or, or something, something similar to that, to that stat line. He's a touchdown machine. Now, that that would be more of a trade situation. Don't know if that's in the card for the Bills. And I also don't think that the L.A. Chargers want to agree to that trade request that Austin Eckler is asking for. But that is a bit of news that came out today. Thought that was interesting. Austin Eckler, I mean, good God, he is one of the best in the league as far as scoring is concerned. So that's one to look out for as well. I, I just wonder, I don't know, the Bills have tried their hand the Bills have tried their hand at bringing in running backs to, to fill. They all seem like half measures, right? 
It always reminds me of Breaking Bad. Two of the best episodes of the entire series. Half measure, full measure. The running back situation for the Bills lately, is, it, they've all seemed like half measures. It's, it's, it's another argument to Rev's point last week, where the B. John Robinson in the first round, if that's where you felt you were going to be getting the best running back for this team for the future, that would be a full measure. Full measure would be using your number one pick or your, your first round pick on a running back. Because we've seen numerous half measures over the last several years. Devin Singletary, Naheem Hines, um, Zach Moss. And the way they utilized James Cook last year, it didn't seem like a full measure to me. I mean, I know you take him early in the second round, but the way they were utilizing him. So that, that's, that to me, it, it, this is one of those drafts for the Bills. I, I just, it, it, I really do want, it, I, I really do wonder what direction they're going to go because they do have several opportunities at their disposal to address. And it feels like running back is not all the way up there. But the more I hear about the arguments, and the more I think about it, I guess this is why we have this conversation any, every year, uh, the more it makes sense. Another person, another running back, rather, that you can keep your eye on, and I, I saw, I forget the source, so uh, excuse me on not being able to directly identify where I saw this, but it was an NFL insider on Twitter earlier that did state that Dalvin Cook is currently, he's currently leaning towards a deal with an AFC team. That was the tweet. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know if it has anything to do with the Bills, but hey, they are in the AFC. But my God, who would enjoy a brother like a brother duo in the backfield more than Bills Mafia? Dalvin Cook and James Cook. Now that would be something. The Vikings are currently shopping him. Last I saw, he is being looked at by quote a AFC team. So that narrows it down to half the league, Bills being involved in that. I can only, I mean, has there ever been a running back brother duo on the same team together before? I, I can't think of it. And it's funny because that's one of those positions that's really, out of all the positions uh, on a football team, there really is no position that's run more by committee than the running back position. And how interesting and how Potentially exciting could it be to have that committee be run by a veteran star running back in Dalvin Cook and then the younger up-and-coming drafted by the Bills brother in James Cook. Something to keep an eye on. Now, I think that I'm looking into uh, the contract situation right now for Dalvin Cook. Let's see here. $14 million looks like I'm looks like I'm seeing right here against the cap in 2023. And that would be for our year. So, you know, it all depends on what the Bills want to do. If they want to make a splash at running back, and you can and when we go back to talking about Brandon Bean not making a splash, there's a difference between making a splash at running back and then really making a splash anywhere else. Because with running back, a lot of times you're going to be able to get guys for cheaper than, than it used to be, right? I mean, that's just 
That's another example of how this running back position has evolved over time. Most teams don't take them in the first round. Most teams don't give them a second contract. Um, and now when these veteran running backs hit the market, oftentimes they are not getting top dollar. So the Bills could go one of two ways. They could, because it's very obvious the Bills are going to have to add to the running back room. It seems all but inevitable at this point that Devin Singletary is no longer going to be on this team. And it's just because, you know, it's going to happen. The Bills are going to add to this running back locker room in some juncture, whether that's the draft, whether that's free agency, hell, a combination of both. But it all depends on what they want to do. Do they want a guy that they can have develop as a Buffalo Bill, a young rookie, develop as a Bill who they think is the answer? That would be a B. John Robinson in round one should the opportunity become available. Do they want to go that route? Or do they want to do the plug and play? Let's get one of the top free agents or one of the top, you know, one of the top older running backs that we can make a move on for a year and try and capitalize once again on a window that's still open. Although we all know it, it does, it does close a little bit, uh, you know, every every day, and then, of course, every year. The running back situation is a lot more interesting than I think I gave it credit for initially. And it's one that I continuously think about more and more as the draft gets closer. And it's one that I continuously think about every time you hear one of these running back names. Like, I hear Austin Eckler, I immediately think about the Bills. You know, you, you hear Derrick Henry, you immediately think about the Bills. You, you oftentimes don't even think about whether or not it's logical not only is it logical as a, as a fit, is it logical financially? Are the Bills even capable of making a move like that? But that's just what the running back position has become for the Bills. It just seems like anytime there's a name, including the draft, B. John Robinson, the best running back in the draft, who's he immediately linked to? The Bills. Let's go to another super chat here. My man, GQ Bob. He's saying, Z-Bob, my guy. We have been a top five defense for the last four plus years, and look where that got us. Nowhere. Offense, 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 wide receiver, running back one, O-line. It's such a tough, it's such a tough thing to talk about because on one hand, it's right. On one hand, it's right. You go into, and there's no more, there's no better example than what we just saw in the Super Bowl a month ago. Philadelphia Eagles come in to that game with one of the best defenses in the league. They were on a historic pace defensively. And many people were saying, you know, one of two things. Either, yeah, it's legit, it's true that that defense is as good as advertised. Others were saying it's inflated because of how weak the NFC has been. Either way, all those narratives go out the door, it's down to one game. And you're facing the best offense in the league, the best quarterback in the league, the best offensive-minded coach in the league. That's when your defense, whether I don't care what you say about them beforehand, that's when the defense is going to prove whether or not they're worthy of being considered one of the best defenses in the league. In the first half, you could have made that argument. Philly's defense in the first half won that half. Philly's offense in the first half won that half. But what did that game come down to? Came down to the Eagles' inability in the second half on defense to stop anything. The Chiefs were absolutely on fire. Eagles defense had no answer. Chiefs had two touchdowns that were the exact same play, just ran on opposite sides of the field where there wasn't a, there wasn't a defender within 15 to 20 yards of the receiver. So I understand what you're saying. The thing is the defense counts 
a lot more, I'd say, in the long haul getting up to that point. I mean, let's face it. There's games last year that the Bills' defense outperformed the Bills' offense and were the reason they won. And that's when you, you know, when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen or when you have a quarterback that's a, you know, an elite top-tier guy, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, the defense is often going to get overlooked even if they are extraordinary, even if they're winning you games. There's a reason the San Francisco 49ers defense, which let's face it, was the best in the league, I, I think. But there's a reason why when you think of the 49ers, you just think about the defense primarily when you think about their success. And that's because their quarterback was Brock Purdy, in addition to four other quarterbacks that all got injured. If the San Francisco 49ers had a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes, a Justin Herbert, Burrow, whatever, then that's the guy you'd be talking about. The defense would still be as good as it was. It just wouldn't get all the headlines. But the reason that it got all the headlines is because the best player on their team is Bosa, right? You know this to be true. I mean, it got a little bit different when they traded for Christian McCaffrey, but oftentimes you'll see this. You'll notice this. You know when when broadcasts do their uh, their preview of the upcoming games that they'll have on their network and they'll show the cartoons of players? So say, for instance, say, say Fox had Bills versus Chiefs. They'll show a cartoon of Josh Allen on one side. They'll show a cartoon of Patrick Mahomes on the other side, right? Say it was Bengals versus Chargers. They'll have a cartoon of Burrow on one side. They'll have a cartoon of Herbert on the other side, okay? Now, say it was. Say it was Packers. Say it was the Packers versus the 49ers. On one side, the cartoon's going to be Aaron Rodgers. On the other side, it's going to be one of two things it's going to be Christian McCaffrey. But if it's not Christian McCaffrey, and let's talk about, you know, prior to the signing of Christian McCaffrey, if it's not Christian McCaffrey, who's it going to be? Nick Bosa. What does that tell you? When they do stuff like that, the NFL always wants to put on their graphics the best player, the headliner, right? That's why we always say it's not Bills versus Chiefs. It's Mahomes versus Allen. It's Mahomes versus Burrow. It's Allen versus uh, Herbert, whatever. That's what all these things get coined as. When your team doesn't have that guy, they go to the next most popular guy. And for the 49ers, not only is he the most popular guy, he's the best player on their team. He's one of the best players in the entire league. Nick Bosa. So that's why their defense, when you're talking about the 49ers' success, everybody just goes that direction. I think if the Bills had a rudimentary quarterback, right, a guy who was the middle of the pact, was not a Josh Allen, I think you would hear more and more and more about how truly good this Bills' defense is. The reason we don't hear it as much is because we have Josh Allen. It's a problem you want to have, right? Now, to say defense you know, to say it's just offense, offense, offense when it comes to winning it, it has surpassed the defense as far as importance. Absolutely. I mean, just go back and ask the the late 2000s with the Ravens, right? I mean, it's defense. Go back and ask. I mean, you, 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 there's a, there's a plenty of examples. Hell, even when the, even not even not even not in that too long ago of 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 of, of, of memory, right? 
It was it was the New England Patriots defense that beat the LA uh, that beat the Rams in the Super Bowl. That, how long ago was that? Uh, six years ago, seven years ago. It has dramatically changed. But there's also arguments to the contrary. I do believe you, and I do agree with you when you say it's more important on the offensive side of things. But it really all co- it all comes down to your example. This past Super Bowl, absolutely. But let's go back a couple of years ago when the Bucs played the Chiefs. It was that same Chiefs team that that their offense, you know, it was actually wasn't the same Chiefs uh, team. It was, a, it was a Chiefs team with Tyreek Hill. That Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense put together one of the greatest defensive performances I have ever seen in any capacity, ever. And they did it in the Super Bowl against one of the greatest offenses in the league. So when you go back to that game, it wasn't just it just wasn't offense, offense, offense. It was it was Bucks D, and then you know Tom Brady and the offense did enough to to cash in on what they were. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4:55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point, and it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're doing. But then you go to last year's Super Bowl and you can make the argument to the contrary. All I'm saying, though, I do agree with you. Offense is more important. But you're going to know real quickly if you don't have a defense that's adequate enough to allow your offense to be more important. The Bills have had that. The Bills have absolutely had that. Things are going to be different this year. And I just wonder how different. And that to me is the most intriguing part of this entire season coming up here. As of right now, at least. How much different is the Bills defense going to be? Because we have yet to see, obviously, the, the the full makeup of this team is yet to come to full form yet. There's going to be a lot more moves made on this defense, for good or for bad. We'll see. But all I know is over the last month or so, that's all we've really had to deal with is a lot of uh, you know animosity when thinking about the Bills' defense. Let's see here. Adam Zinslimer. He's coming in here saying, Chiefs signing Jawan Taylor. I don't know if I, know if I saw that one. Did I miss that one? <sighs> Looks like I did. I did miss that one. Chiefs are signing former Jaguars offensive tackle Jawan Taylor. Interesting, because the Chiefs are a team that had to completely revamp their offensive line last year. And it wound up being one of their stronger assets towards the, uh, you know, as the year went on. I thought they did a terrific job in the Super Bowl against a very stout defense like we were just talking about. In the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, I'm taking a look here. Jawan Taylor, I'm trying to look at the uh, the parameters here. So, he was, uh, he's was he been with the Jaguars since 2019 up until last season. Played all 17 games the last two years. 
Interesting, though. I'm not seeing a whole lot. Of, I don't know much about Jawan Taylor. Another addition, though, for that Chiefs offensive line. I'm just interested to see how much the Bills continue to add to their offensive line on top, you know, on top of what they did today. That's where the first round of the draft becomes more interesting to me. Because the more you think about it, the more you can you can see the potential moves that can be made. Now I'm looking at Jawan Taylor's uh history here. I'm trying to you know, admittedly, when it comes to like these offensive linemen, my I, I wish I wish I knew their uh their stats like I knew the back of my hand. Oh, let's take a look here. I'm not seeing a whole lot. A damn ad that wants to pop up. Oh! Every time with that. Which, but hey, by the way, as I, I had my, my, my blunder of the night, how about this internet tonight? How about it? So, finally, like some good news when it comes to this ridiculous topic that I feel like I talk about way too much. So, I finally was like, you know what? I got to call somebody. That I, I, can't, I can't try it myself. Like, I feel like I've done everything. So, I call the guy. He comes over. He's here for like 20 minutes. He's screwing around with, uh, like I told you, there, there, I told you a couple weeks ago, there was like this, there was this port that had to be activated or whatever inside of the inside of the house that wasn't activated. He did it, whatever. Oh my God. I mean, this is, this has been butter so far. Now I'm hoping I'm not jinxing it because, um, that would be the classic thing for me to do, but so far so good. I've been stoked about it. Um, so yeah, Juwan, Juwan Taylor, a uh, big deal. I'm seeing here a big, a big, uh, Contract for the for the Chiefs here. I just lost. Where am I saying? Eighty a four year, eighty million dollar deal that Jawan Taylor just inked with the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's continue reading here. This is according to NFL.com. Former, former Jacksonville Jaguars offensive tackle Jawan Taylor is signing a four year, eighty million dollar deal with the Kansas City Chiefs. Taylor will receive $60 million in guarantee in his new contract per Ian Rappaport. Taylor's signing raises a few eyebrows regarding compensation, past performance, and fit with his new team. Taylor joined the Jaguars as a second-round pick out of Florida in 19 and has since manned the right tackle position at a respectable, respectable but far from spectacular level that would warrant top-five money at either tackle position. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I saw $80 million and I saw the name. And mind you, uh, admittedly, I, I didn't see this move today. I didn't know this happened. But the first thing I thought of was, I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I know enough about Juwan Taylor to, to look at an $80 million deal and feel like that's a great move. And this is kind of backing up what my thoughts were. It's saying uh, it's, a, it's a questionable contract for a guy who they believe does not warrant top five money, which this $80 million contract puts him in the realm of faced with an obvious need and equipped with a coach and Andy Reid, who has been able to maximize offensive line talent in the past. That's for sure. Kansas city ignored these concerns, adding Taylor to an offensive line that has seen plenty of changes in recent years, but has continued to perform at a high level. Well, there you go. Big number. Rev, don't be playing with me now. 
Don't be playing with me now. Now, let's see how long we can go. Let's see how long the streak can last. We're one night in tonight. Let's see how long we can go. Um, and I think we're over an hour now, so I don't care what happens from this point forward. On this hour, we're marking out with a check plus tonight. Uh, let's let's take a look at some other notable moves today around the league. Now, I still cannot believe the Aaron Rodgers situation has not worked itself out. And the only reason I have a ton, I mean, I could give two and a half rips. Like, I hate talking about Aaron Rodgers because it's all anybody talks about. I really just don't care. It's because it's, it's what the guy wants. It's unbelievable. He is, like, addicted to the media attention. And I, for one, am just so sick and tired of having to hear about it on everything that I turn on. The only reason I have interest invested in this is that there's a potential for the Bills to play him, a high potential for the Bills to play him twice a year this year. And I keep getting a lot of people saying to me, you know, it doesn't matter. The Jets are the Jets. They're, oh, he's, he's aging out. He didn't play well last year. Okay, well, then what does that say about the Bills who, lo who lost to a Zach Wilson-led Jets team last year? I mean, you really don't think Aaron Rodgers elevates the talent level of the New York Jets who have an incredible defense, who had the offensive and defensive rookie of the year last year? who have a running back and Brees Hall coming back, who would have won the offensive rook, uh, rookie of the year himself had he not gotten injured. This Jets team is no longer the Jets of old, folks. And this is a Jets team that beat the Bills last year with Zach Wilson. I don't want to hear that they're not better with, with Aaron Rodgers. That's a load. I mean, save it. So you don't have to be interested in it. I, I frankly don't care. I sure as hell am. And if not for anything else, say he comes in and he, lay, and he lays an egg. You know, it's still a wild storyline that the Bills will be playing Aaron Rodgers twice a year before he retires. We're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And that'll have meant that, you know, when it's all when the dust is all settled, two of the greatest of all time and Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers will have been within the Bills division at some point and played him twice a year. I think it's interesting for so many reasons. Not only all of that, but then it's literally following the exact same career trajectory is Brett Favre, which I think is extraordinarily interesting. There's a lot of interesting elements to it. But if you don't think that that move is significant, and I tweeted this out the other day on my account because I'm still kind of stunned. I've been seeing a little bit more of it recently. But I, I, like nobody last week, like nobody was talking about this amongst Bills fans. Nobody was talking about the possible reality that, that we'd be facing Aaron Rodgers twice a year. And, I, and, and, and it's, it's crazy, like the internet. There's, two things can never be true at once. I can't be interested about Aaron Rodgers coming to the Jets, and I can't also, like, then I have to... Uh, but, but, if I, but if I'm interested in Aaron Rodgers coming to the Jets, that means I'm scared of him. Uh, no, that's not true. How do you not find that? How do you not find that interesting? How? I mean, how quickly we forget this Jets team was a fringe playoff team all year last year, and they beat these Bills with Zach Wilson. You cannot look at what the Jets have at their disposal right now and then look at what they did last year with literally probably the worst quarterback situation in the league and not think that adding a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer with, I think, juice left in the tank, how could you not think that that makes them better? And it's like, you know, even if they're not like 10 times better, it's still additional pressure put on the Bills in an already pressure-filled AFC. 
Speaking of like, you know, you know, additions in the AFC and whether this is another one of these guys where you can never just say one thing without ever getting in an argument, but hey, Jimmy Garoppolo. He's probably the biggest move of the day today. He goes to the uh the Las Vegas uh, Raiders. Now, you want to talk about a linear move. I mean, this move to me, you know, they, they, they basically run Derek Carr out of town. That ended poorly. And I don't quite get it because from my personal you know, standpoint, Derek Carr seems like one of the better guys in the league. I mean, he just seemed like a great dude. And it seems like he loved the Raiders. Seemed like he wanted to retire as a Raider. They bring in Josh McDaniels. They go out and get his old pal, Devontae Adams. And then after a year, not only... Do you end the relationship, but you bench him towards the end of the year and then essentially kick him out of town? It seemed like the Raiders had a much bigger plan. And that's when, of course, the tires were being kicked on Aaron Rodgers. There was thought there was talks about potentially Tom Brady for a minute there. And now Jimmy Garoppolo and, and, I, and I like Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't love him. I like him. Just it, it's an odd it, the, the, the whole way that they reached this conclusion at the quarterback position is is odd to me. But I do like Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he is one of those quarterbacks that's never going to be, uh, you know, the guy that you solidify as one of the best in the league, but he surely won't be ever, he won't be one of the guys you consider to be one of the worst. I think if you had to, you know, lean him towards one end of the spectrum or the other, I'd lean him more towards the better end of the spectrum. And uh, when you look at the money they got him for, see, that to me is the, uh, that to me is the kicker here. I go back to what I said at the top of the show, and it's still saying this out loud is I, I just cannot. I mean, God, good for Daniel Jones, man. I mean, that is incredible. That is incredible to be able to have gotten the giants to pay him 40 million. I, I got no words on that, nor does anybody. I mean, I don't, I just don't know. It's, it's truly baffling. I think we can all agree Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones, like I just said, $40 million a year with the Giants. The Raiders just got Jimmy Garoppolo for a little over $22 million a year. And it makes, more, it, it makes more sense when you think about the dollars because not only are you getting him on, on what I think to be a really good bargain looking at where the quarterback market's at, but Derek Carr was set to make a lot more than that as well. So I know I said it was a linear move. I think from a talent standpoint, it is. But when you look at the financials of it, it does make sense. The other thing here, too, is we all remember the love affair that Josh McDaniels had for Jimmy Garoppolo. And if it wasn't for Tom Brady begging Robert Kraft to, to kick him out of town, who knows? We could have been playing against Jimmy Garoppolo the last handful of seasons as a New England Patriot. That, to me, is a very interesting signing because they got him for a great deal, in my opinion, and he is reignited with Josh uh, with Josh McDaniels, who I think at the time when he was a New England Patriot, I think that the plan there was for him to be a New England Patriot for the foreseeable future. So that was uh, an, interesting, an interesting signing there. And once again, another quarterback added to the, to the long list of talented quarterbacks in the AFC, and it's funny to think about, you know, it is it is funny to think that in the NFC, Jimmy Garoppolo would be considered to be one of the best quarterbacks in the entire conference. You move him over to the AFC, and you don't you don't have that you don't have that same conversation. But he's still just as good, you know. And I think for that type of team, for that type of money, I would much rather much rather have Jimmy Garoppolo twenty two million dollars a year for three years than whatever the hell the Giants just did. Staying in division.
uh, or staying in conference, moving towards the Bills division. A little, a little inner division move. Mike White, like I said uh, at the top of the show, Mike White uh, is now a Miami Dolphin. The Miami situation, odd. Miami just picked up Tua's fifth-year option. I don't know if I saw that coming. I don't know what's going on there with Tua. You had the whole Tom Brady thing forever there. That went away. Then the Lamar Jackson rumor, right? That, all of a sudden, they come out and say no, which, by the way, that whole situation, what in the absolute hell is going on there? Like I always say, thank God that the that it's not that the Bills are in the situation they're in when it comes to the most important position in all in the entire sport. Same draft class. We've been over it. The, 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 the Lamar Jackson Ravens situation is just awful. And how all these teams have come out and just said flat out no, like the Falcons, right? Carolina, and I know Carolina moved up to one, but uh, Miami, I, I don't get it. I don't know how Miami can come out and slam the table and saying, and this, mind you, this is, this is the same week where a BS rumor once again resurfaced that Tom Brady was thinking about coming out of retirement to play for the Dolphins again. They come out and they say no way on bringing in Lamar Jackson and then pick up to his fifth year option. I, I don't know. And now you add Mike White. And what does that tell me? We're going to see Mike White at some point. I just, I, d- does Tua make it a whole year? I, the, the history tells you to the contrary. His whole situation will always be one of the most intriguing storylines throughout a season because I just don't know, you know, I, I don't know what to make of it. But that that's the least, that's 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 the most insignificant signing when it comes to the Dolphins as of the uh, the last couple of days here. Uh, the Dolphins, they added to the uh, the defensive side of the ball, and as you as you see the Bills' success, right, heighten that. Of course, means that every team in the division is going to try to do everything possible in order to surpass you, and that's why we continuously monitor the Aaron Rodgers and the Jets situation. I have no idea what New England's doing. They just seem to be a team now with with an aging. Uh, Bill Belichick that just does nothing. I don't quite get it. It's very odd. I, I don't know what the hell is going on in New England. They just seem to do nothing anymore. Um, they did nothing last year. We all knew that that was not going to work out. It surely didn't. Uh, one of the worst years they've had in a while. And I know it's early on here, but it just seems like the other two teams, Miami and the Jets, have been very aggressive, whereas the New England Patriots, once again, are just kind of sitting by and watching the show, um, which is fine by me, by the way. Go ahead. I'll buy your ticket. I'll buy your popcorn. Sit back and enjoy the show. I I, I love watching. I love I love performing uh the uh you know the surpass the, the surpassing of the New England Patriots and continuing to widen the gap. Screw them. You know what I mean? Uh but anyway, the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Jalen Ramsey, our boy. Is Jalen Ramsey not a perfect fit for the Miami Dolphins? Doesn't that just seem like a perfect fit? I don't know why it just does. It just does. And here he is, a guy who will be facing off against Stephon Diggs inevitably twice a year for uh, for the next uh, at least couple of years, right? Let's see here. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jalen Ramsey. 
Now, of course, the Rams were trying to, they're trying to unload on defense because I guess Sean McVay is really looking to ra- uh, ramp up on offense because of how inept they were uh, last season. And Jalen Ramsey was getting paid, uh, you know, a ton in LA. And that was going to be one of those moves that seemed that it was going to happen. Jalen Ramsey was going to have to leave in order for the, uh, for the LA Rams to, remove some of that money from the defensive side of the ball and then reallocate it on the offensive side of things. Um, so let's take a deeper look here. Uh, you know, regardless of what you think of Jalen Ramsey, a down year for him last year, but it's still a guy that was, you know, he's still considered to be one of the best in the business. And it's another guy that the bills are going to have to look out for uh, within the division. So taking a deeper look here, three time all pro, of course, and the Dolphins gave up the 77th overall pick, which is a third-round selection. And they gave the Rams their tight end, Hunter Long. And I'm trying to find the, uh, I'm trying to find the, the contract details here. I love this though. In this one article on uh, CBS, <clears throat> this is a big deal because the Dolphins will face Josh Allen's Bills twice. See what I tell you? It's all that's what it's all about. It's all about trying to stop big old JA seventeen. Where the hell is this contract? A big move though. Dolphins are not hesitating. I mean, think about the last couple of years. They made some gigantic moves. That's why I was shocked that they jumped the gun on this fifth-year option for Tua so quick. I really, I really just did not see that happening. I just felt like there was going to be a move elsewhere at at, at quarterback. I don't know. I just don't know. I, that situation doesn't make much sense to me. So, according to Yahoo here, the final result will entail reduced cash in 2023, more cash in 2024, and a full guarantee in 23 and 24. In short. Ramsey will emerge from the trade with a better contract as expected under the existing deal. Ramsey would have only uh 12 and a half million guaranteed in the form of a 2023 base salary. So it's looking like there isn't an entire uh, full fledged. There isn't an entire full fledged contract out there, but nonetheless, Jalen Ramsey is now a Miami dolphin and we're watching the, we're watching the, uh, the inner battle of the NFC or the AFC East, rather the interior battle of who can try and keep up with the bills, surpass the bills. And let's be honest, guys. This is going to be a tough year, man. I hate where my mindset is right now compared to last year. Cause it was just the overwhelming optimism I had going out of that chiefs game. Cause even though it was a loss, it was just the way they lost and the way they played and everybody was on the hype train. And I mean, I don't know this, this last year was such a bad, it just seems like everything this past year or this past couple of months here, you know, starting of course, well, not, not even starting there, starting with, uh, oh, by the way, thank you. Uh, Bill's Mafia Prod's coming in here saying Ramsey gets $37 million guaranteed in 2023-2024. Okay, so at least the next couple of seasons. Um, at least the next couple of seasons for Jalen Ramsey in Miami. Um, but, you know, 
it, it started with just the, the the way that the season went, where every every but what felt like every couple of weeks there was just some roadblock being put in front of the bills, right? It just felt like every time you, you, you blink, there was something that was being put in front of the bills that was, that was there to test them. And that felt like it all just kind of caught up to them. And then, and then the way that they end the season getting embarrassed by the, the, uh, the, the Bengals there having to scratch and claw against a backup and the dolphins to get that W. And now you see here in the off season, you know, it's things that, we thought might happen, but they, you know, another reality, you know, Leslie Frazier gone, Tremaine Edmonds gone. Who knows? And all you, all you see is these other teams, especially in division. And, and, and that, and that, that's inevitable. That's, this is what happens. The bills try to do this forever. The dolphins try to do this forever. The jets try to do this forever. When, um, uh, when the Patriots were, you know, in the midst of their dominance, but it's just going to be, it's going to get continuously harder maintain the success and you're really seeing teams like uh you're really seeing teams like the jets and the and the dolphins trying to to keep pace um so I'm, i keep seeing uh in here the the restructuring of, of allen and and vaughn i know that was a possibility did that just happen because i am looking let's see here my dad texted me yep okay all right how about it? A little, a little news. A little news coming out of the wire in the middle of the smoke break. How about it? Okay. We never get like news coming in here live during the smoke break. How about that? Ooh, baby. It's a zesty one. The Bills got some cash to spend now, baby. Come on. All right. Let's take a look here. Shout out Papa Bell at home for verifying it. Just sending me a text. And now I got the ESPN pop up here. Let's take a look. Bills create $32 million of cap space by working both Josh, reworking both Josh Allen and Von Miller's deals. Okay. How about it? Why do how, why am I I'm trying to like find it on this on this certain one, uh, but I already have it right here. So let's take a look. This the article I have pulled up is from uh, this is from six minutes ago. NFL trade NFL trade rumors dot com. The Buffalo Bills have created thirty two million dollars of cap space, and this was tweeted out by Field Yates. The Buffalo Bills have created $32 million of cap space by restructuring quarterback Josh Allen and defensive end Von Miller's contracts. Allen, 26, former first-round selection of the Buffalo Bills, yada, yada. He was entering the final year of a four-year $21.183 million rookie contract in 2021 that included a $13.4 million signing bonus when the Bills picked up his fifth-year option. Buffalo later signed Allen to a six-year, yeah, we already know all that, $258 million deal. Okay, so here we go. He's due base salaries of $27.5 million and $23.5 million over the next two seasons. In 2022, Allen started 16 games for the Bills. I don't care about any of that. Where's the – let's see here. I got to find a better article than this. So this is like fresh out of the oven, huh? Fresh out the oven. Uh, by the way, quick super chat coming in from Zachary Jennings while we continue to find some more details on this 
Fresh out the oven story. You know, I find the situation with how loaded this AFC East is getting so unfair. Brady never had competition, but JA 17 does just so unfair. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was more unfair to us during that period of the bills were so inadequate that they could not find a way to compete with the Patriots. It's, un- it's unbelievable, right? It's amazing. But Hey, I got to tell you, at least amongst the competition with the, uh, the jets and the, the, the dolphins that continues to heat up the one team that's not in the running there, Zach is, uh, is the Patriots, which is ironic. It's funny, right? It's funny. During that time period, we had nobody to blame, but ourselves. I mean, really, we had 20 damn years to try and make something happen and it never happened. All right. Go to the old, let's go to the old, Let's go to the old Twitter. See what more I can find on this. <clears throat> so I'm not seeing a ton of like a ton of uh, specifics. I'm, at, I'm on Field Yates Twitter right now. The Bills have restructured the contracts of quarterback Josh Allen and outside linebacker Von Miller, creating approximately 32 million in salary cap space per source. We already know that. This is great, though. I wonder, oh, did they update this yet on uh, on Spot Track? We can get. I, I, I wonder if they work that quick. So we can get an updated up to the minute salary cap situation. Uh, it's not looking like it. <clears throat> Bear with me. I'm trying to find some more here on this. Busy day, though, for being over at uh, ODB, huh? Well, there's, like, absolutely no articles on this. Field Yates, bravo, you are all over this, but I cannot seem to find uh, any details on the restructuring. Ah, okay, Warren Sharp. Love Warren Sharp. He's always got the goods. So Warren Sharp on Twitter, he quote tweets... Field Yates' uh, tweet, and this was as of three minutes ago. He goes, this, this was to be the first huge jump in Josh Allen's cap hits. 2021, 10.2 million. Yep. This past year was 16.4 million. And obviously this year, like he's talking about, was going to be the year that it was going to really start <laughs> kicking in. 39.8, essentially 40 million against the cap this year, which would have been the second most in the league. Warren goes on to say, with the restructure, Buffalo will lower the $39.8 million hit this year and push future cap hits higher. Well, the nice thing about that is the the longer you kick this down the can, the more that the salary cap is going to increase. I mean, we, we know this. We just saw a massive increase in the salary cap this year. It's going to continue to happen. So you have to wonder if Bean is looking at it saying, okay, if we can continuously kick down the road, our larger salary cap hits, especially, of course, Josh Allen. Nobody's bigger than that. If we can continuously kick it down the road or kick it down the road a little bit longer, it might play into our advantage in the future because we will have more room already. And that and that overall number, it won't hit as significantly as it would in this in a year like it currently would right now. Trying to find some more specific details on it, but there this like just happened, so there isn't a whole not seeing a ton. But NBC Sports, they say they got something.
All right. So, you know, either way, I, I, I'm not, I'm not having a, I'm not having any luck here finding like uh, specifics or an article that has very specific details on the restructuring, but nonetheless, this, these moves with Von Miller and Josh Allen has created nearly $32 million in cap space for Buffalo. Okay. I'm telling. Well, it is real. Pat's coming in. By the way, I'm not pulling this out of my ass. This is this is from Field Yates, confirmed by Field Yates on Twitter. I'll show it here. I'll, I'll put it up on the screen here. And this is something that I had heard being kicked around as far as a potential possibility. And here we are. <clears throat> Field Yates. Not some fake guy. Field Yates. The Bills have restructured the contracts of quarterback Josh Allen and offensive line, or outside linebacker Von Miller, creating approximately $32 million in cap space per source. So you know what that means. <sighs> Time to go look how much Adam Thielen costs. Let's take a look at that, shall we? <clears throat> or, or or DeAndre Hopkins. Now look at us. Look at us. It's funny. This is, this, is like, this is what I was talking about earlier. The chess the chess game that is the NFL. You immediately go to, oh, God, we got to get rid of this guy and this guy. To, oh, how can I spend more money now? The Spud's telling me to look above. Where am I looking, Spud? Talk to me, baby. Okay, Spud's got Spud's got the goods. Spud, let's go. Spud coming in with the deets. He's got this. Spills restructured Von Miller, clearing ten point eight six four million in twenty twenty three. Two point seven one six added cap charge each uh, each season, starting in twenty twenty four through twenty twenty seven. Thirty two point four million cleared in twenty twenty three. And then here's the Josh Allen aspects of the restructuring. Thank you once again, Spud, on it. Bills restructured the contract of Josh Allen, clearing $21.536 million in 2023, $5.384 million added cap charge each season of 2024-2027. So, hey, once again, by the way, we've had this conversation before, and it's worth noting again because this is a perfect example. There are some players in this league, and I can't fault them. There, I, You just can't fault them. This We've been over this. This is a league where the players are employees. This is their career. This is their job. And like many of us, you want to work at a job where you get paid the most money because who the hell wouldn't? But in very rare instances, there are people, Josh Allen being one of them, Patrick Mahomes being one of them, there are people who value winning just as much, if not more, than the money. Josh Allen, the quarterback of this team, right? Arguably the best quarterback in the league, set to make the second most amount of money this this coming season. He says, "I'll kick the I'll kick the can down the road to free up cap space, which we desperately need." We cannot take stuff like that for granted. It is not commonplace. It just isn't. Especially when it comes to athlete, when it comes to the top of the top, cream of the crop athletes. Nor should it be expected. We should just 
acknowledge how lucky we are to have a guy like Josh Allen, who not only is as talented as he is, but also values the organization and the success of the organization as much as he does. It is not commonplace, nor is it expected to be commonplace, at least within the league itself. Oftentimes you'll see that 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 is an expectation amongst fans, but fans oftentimes, they, they really confuse their love of the team and the reality of the financial, the financials of this league. That's why like today with Tremaine Edmonds, it's like, how the hell, even if you know, you were the biggest Tremaine Edmonds fan in the world, there was no way the bills were going to be able to pay him. Okay. How could you ever be mad at a guy like Tremaine Edmonds who might only get one blockbuster contract his whole career? How could you be, how could you ever denounce his his desire to want to move to another team who's going to pay him a record-setting contract. You can't. You can't. It's like I was talking about with Jordan Poyer. You can't be mad at the guy if he gets a deal somewhere that pays him more money with le- with, a, with a better tax break. You just can't because you can't expect it. On that same foot, this is why you have got to you have got to be appreciative of the the, tan- the intangibles that come alongside the tangibles with Josh Allen. And this is a perfect example. And that is a major, that is a major, major move. That is a major move. And, 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 on, and on the same token, too, it's like with Von Miller. It's like, you know, and I understand with uh, the Von Miller restructuring, it's not, not even close to the same amount as Josh Allen's. I mean, Josh Allen's is nearly double the amount of money uh, within the restructuring, okay? But still, it's still <laughs> more money than I know, than I've seen, that's for sure. It's still over $10 million. This is, a, this is a guy who hasn't even played a full season for the Bills yet. And there were people questioning, remember? Remember this? Remember there were people questioning about, you know, whether or not he actually wanted to be in Buffalo, questioning that he wanted to, whether he'd rather be in Dallas or whatever. Look it. That's fine, whatever. You're talking about a guy here who's, who's halfway out the door on his career, essentially, all he wants to do is win. Of course, he wants to get paid. It's one of the reasons he went to Buffalo. It was an enormous amount of money they were offering him. But look at this. This is this is this is another guy who you know his career is winding down here, and he's willing to restructure as well in order to capitalize on his last go of it here. Tons of respect. Tons of respect. But the amount of respect I have for Josh Allen is just through the moon. It's absurd. I mean, Von Miller, is, he's had a full career. He's got in his bag. You know, Josh Allen, as crazy as it sounds, like he has not gotten paid yet. You know, he has not gotten paid paid yet. And really, neither is Patrick Mahomes. It is extraordinary what we are watching right now from these two guys. Two of the best quarterbacks in the league, unarguably, are also the two guys in this league most willing to the, the, these two guys are the most willing to finagle their money around to make sure that their team succeeds. I, it's just phenomenal. And we should not consider this commonplace. It's not like, don't look at this and be like, Oh, that's great. It's not man. It's just not, it's, it's rare and it's freaking awesome. 
Well, Justin's coming here saying, like, State Farm's paying him plenty. Yeah, and I'm sure Gillette's paying Josh Allen a pretty penny, too. But that doesn't mean anything. There's no such thing as too much money, everyone. There just isn't. I mean, come on. There just isn't. There just isn't. This is great. This is, I'll tell you what, to end the day here after, you know, losing Tremaine Edmonds, which, you know, it sucks. It just sucks to lose a guy like that. You lose Tremaine Edmonds. You don't know what the future holds for other guys on the, on the defensive side of the things right now. Uh, this was a great way to end this day. What's, oh, come on. What is this? What is this, Joey? What are you telling me? Joey's coming in saying it was a post by Adam Schefter, and now it's been taken down, so I think it was fake. Are you talking about this, or are we talking about something else? Back to the Twitter machine. I got to tell you, I'm so sick and tired of, I'm so sick and tired of, of having to rely on Twitter, by the way. It's really pissing me off. The amount, of, the amount of shit that, that continuously happens where I like I look at it and then I find out that it's a load of crap just because somebody was trying to put it out there first. Okay, good. Adam's talking about Hopkins. Okay, good. Okay, good. If Hopkins broke on here right now, that would, I mean, we would be having a night. We'd be having a freaking night, wouldn't we? Well, this is a good way to end the night. The Bills now have a little bit of coin to move around with. Now it makes you wonder, do they use that coin in-house? Do they go out? Do they go elsewhere? The options are, there, there's there's plenty of them. But it does make things more interesting now. It, the the offseason is so uninteresting when you don't have money. Right? Last year, when you knew you had the money to spend, how awesome was it? It was great. This makes this a little bit more interesting. Well, a lot more interesting, I'd say. Just continuously scrolling here, seeing if there's anything else. Super chat. James, what's up, brother? Yo, Zeba, who you got replacing Edmonds at linebacker? Do we have to go to a three linebacker system? My my biggest question now is I wonder what they do. I wonder what they do in uh the one the the first thing I thought of is I wonder what they do in the draft here. I, my immediate thought was I hope that they don't prioritize linebacker early on or in the first round now in the draft. I just I just, I just don't want to go in there. I want I don't care what it is, really. I really don't, because there's there's certain needs. I just want the first round pick to be offensive this year. I do. That's what I want. I'm not entirely sure what the move's going to be at, at, at linebacker, but they got an entire off season here to figure it out. And I'm and all I can say is I'm I'm very I'm ecstatic that the that the Matt Milano situation is is going to be a complete non factor for the next several seasons. That to me was what matters the most. We'll figure out the other the other end of it down the line here. As long as that that has me reassured uh, 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 in regard to that positional group, that's got me reassured that we'll be okay. Let me know if you guys see anything else here. You got to imagine. You got to imagine a move is going to be made with the next 24 hours here by these bills with this with this cash space uh, freed up. I think that this was something that was definitely a possibility. 
I think this was this has been being talked about for the past week. You know, the restructuring of those two contracts. But now that it's uh, reality, I mean, now now you now you get the juices flowing. Now you wonder what the move is, right? Now you wonder what the move is. I mean, you're so fun. Whoever, so that, let me see, what did I just see? I just went on Ian Rappaport's Twitter spot. I'm not seeing this. This is what I was looking for right now. I'm not seeing this. Did he delete it? Not seeing it on here. Uh, I saw someone on here say um, to go get, uh, yeah, fake. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Um, I saw someone on here uh, say OBJ. Uh, dude, no thanks. Did you guys just see the report that came out that he still he still wants to get paid $20 million? Dude, you can forget it. I mean, dude. All right. Who who's doing that? Who in their right mind is giving Odell Beckham Jr. twenty million dollars after not playing for uh, almost two years now? No thanks. I thought the whole how weird is that situation, Ben? He went from like oh he was like he was like playing uh, he was playing like matchmaker all last season. Like, oh maybe I'll go here, maybe I'll go there, and then we all bought into it. Then he didn't go anywhere. And now the report comes out that he wants $20 million. Well, you can't pick and choose where you want to go for $20 million, OBJ. Who the hell is going to – who's going to pay that? If the Bills pay that, I, I oh, good God. And there's no way they will. I don't know how he expects to – I don't know how he expects to join a contender of a team for $20 million. And frankly, I don't know how he expects to join any team for $20 million. Who the hell is paying him $20 million? I mean, hey – Tip of the cap to you, OBJ. I mean, I understand wanting to get as much money as you can, but good, sweet God. I mean, let's be realistic here. $20 million. Hell no. Hell no. I'm over the OBJ thing, too. Like, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. I'd, I'd much rather start getting some young, talented guys in here that we can have for the foreseeable future. I mean, uh, <laughs> Stefan Diggs is not getting any younger people. And there's going to come a time where we're going to need to have multiple guys to be able to, to, to fill that void at some point. I would much rather continuously add young wide receivers to this team that we can build around going forward as opposed to plugging. I mean, obviously, at a year like th this year, yeah, I'm fine with, with, with a veteran addition or two, of course. I mean, and in this window, yes. But I, this team, they have got to bring in wide receivers that they plan to keep around and develop around. It can't just be continuous veteran signings, hoping you know you, you you throw you continuously throw the dart at the wall, hoping one sticks. Yeah, that's great for now. I, I I'm in the business of trying to get guys that Josh Allen can can help develop and and build a connection with over over the years to come here. And we thought Gabe Davis was gonna was gonna be that. I mean, it it, it wasn't last year. 
But I'm I'm not out on Gabe Davis by any means. It's just you can't go into this season expecting Gabe Davis to be your 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 second best option after last year. You just can't. My man Greg Voris over from uh, Cover One, he he tweeted out uh, that that Connor McGovern contract, the uh, the the new addition uh, at guard from the Cowboys, the Bills brought in today. Uh, I didn't realize this earlier. I, he tweeted out about twenty minutes ago that the cap hit for him because he, he he signed a three year deal worth twenty two point three and five million. His cap hit in twenty twenty three is only four million dollars, so that's interesting. So it does seem like the way that the Bills are attacking the way that the Bills are attacking right now, it seems like a move's going to be made for 2023. Right? Like the, the cash in on this, I mean, I don't know, the possibilities are continuously opening up now. You think like Ian Rappaport and 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 Adam Chapter, like but when do they sleep? I'm doing this right now and like just kind of like looking around for stuff right now since this since this restructuring happened. How the hell do these guys sleep? Well, I got to tell you, I bet you when I'm with you next week, I bet you when I'm back with you next week, we're going to have something to talk about. I don't know what. I'll tell you this for, for damn sure. This time next week, we are going to know where Aaron Rodgers is. And I'm very, I'm very, I'm very confident that he's going to be a Jet. So we'll have that to talk about. Okay. Two, with this cap space freed up, I'm telling you right now, we're going to have something to talk about by the, by the time I'm with you next week. Probably way sooner. And I, I'm excited again. This was the jolt I needed. It's funny because we were literally talking about, like, as we were talking, we were like, oh, you know, you lose this, and you lose that. Oh, the other thing I forgot to mention, by the way, earlier is uh, the, the Bills also re-signed uh, Sam, Sam Martin, which is good. Got uh, glossed over that one. <clears throat> he uh, he re uh, he signed with a three year deal with the Bills, seven and a half million. So we got the punter situation locked down for the next three years as well. By the way, which is good. <clears> hmm. <throat> I'm looking at wide receivers right now, by the way. Just because I feel like 
I mean, it's it's inevitable that a move's going to have to be made at wide receiver, right? And I don't know what the story's going to be in 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 drafting one. And I guarantee you, Brandon Bean's not going to want to go into this season banking on what more than likely will be like a second round or later wide receiver to try to fill in, you know, to fill in the weaponry here. So I'm I, I just feel like there's going to be a move made at some point, and I see that. I know as of right now, Jerry Judy's name is being tossed around. Adam Thielen, of course, departs from the uh, Vikings a couple of days ago. Robert Woods got snatched up, so he's no longer on the table. He can't be uh, reunited with the Bills. Um. See here. Um. Oh, you know what? This is odd. Did you did you know that did you know that Adam Thielen is older than uh, Robert Woods? I would not have guessed that. Feels like Robert. Feels like I've been Robert, watching Robert Woods for like twenty years. That is weird. I just saw that while I'm looking at these unrestricted free agents here. Uh, so yeah, Julio is a he's a unrestricted free agent, but uh, Julio is also 34 years old. Uh, <laughs> Sammy Watkins back on the market. Um, I don't know. Some, a lot of these guys are old, man. T.Y. Hilton is 33. Juju's uh Juju's back on the I, I don't know. I don't I don't want that. I don't I don't want to go that way. <laughs> Sammy Watkins back with the Bills. What about Alan Lazard? He's only 27. I mean, you look at this list of unrestricted free agents. He's he's one of the younger ones. McCole Hardman's only 25. Scotty Miller. Scotty. Remember when Scotty Miller was like a big name for Tampa for like for like a month? There's a lot on here. The big the big names though, the, the bigger the name, the bigger the uh, the age is, it seems like, you know. Um yeah, I mean as far as like and I see what you guys are saying in here, <laughs> Stevie Johnson is only 36. Believe me. Where's my Stevie? Look at there's Stevie right there. Up in the top. 
Stevie is the freaking man. Believe me. When in talking to Stevie, I think he'd suit back up for the Bills tonight if 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 that was in play. I swear. Stevie loves the Bills, man. Loves them. I really do think. I mean, obviously, of course, it's just a joke. But it, I think, I think if if Bean called up Stevie Johnson tonight, I swear to God, he he would be there. He he'd show up. I really think he would. <laughs> I loved Stevie Johnson. He's such a good dude too. Well, hey, listen. Here's all I know right now. All I know is the Bills currently have some money to spend, and that's way more money that they had to spend before I hit hit the live button on this show tonight. So how about that? We started off a little bit somber, losing Tremaine Edmonds. It sucks. It had to happen. And over the course of the show, all of a sudden, the Bills are about $32 million richer in cap space. Very interesting. And I guarantee you the rest of this week is going to be interesting as well. Keep an eye on the Aaron Rodgers situation. Potential that we have to face him twice a year this coming year. Keep an eye on that. We'll see. But even more interesting. Keep an eye on what the Buffalo Bills do over the next week here. A little money to spend now, much more than they had. Where are they going to spend it? How how is this newfound money from the restructuring of Josh Allen and Von Miller's contract going to be spent? I'm looking forward to finding out how. I'm also looking forward to rejoining you next week, this time, same place, Monday night smoke break on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. We'll be back. And I guarantee you, this time next week, we're going to have plenty to talk about. I can't wait. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy St. Patrick's Day. Have a couple Irish coffees, a little Jameson, maybe a little Bailey's, a couple Guinnesses. Top it off with a little corned beef. It's a recipe for success. Enjoy the rest of the week, folks. And I will see you this time next Monday right here in the same place, the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. Thanks so much for your time tonight. And as always, go Bills. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.